Morning, everyone. Just a brief talk from me this morning. Um, to give it a title, Sorrow in Joy and Joy in Sorrow. Let me start with a, with a simple question. Um, you can imagine a simple question that would come out of the the mouths of babes is <clears throat> how can you be happy if there's so many children in the world who are starving? You can imagine a child asking that simple unadorned question and uh, it, it's very it's a very penetrating question and I think it's a question that the all the various kinds of happiness industry avoid and don't really address um, because a lot of what is the focus of being happy um, in today's, in our Western culture anyway, is all around, focused around individual happiness and not so much really focused around collective happiness and so a lot of, there's a lot of different models and um, approaches and workshops mm -hmm. out there and books mm -hmm about how to become happy. Actually, it goes back centuries. Those books have been coming out for centuries. Uh, there's just a, a lot more of them these days. Everyone's looking for happiness. But happiness, in nearly all of those models, is something which becomes separated out from the suffering of life. And so it's an ideal to pursue, and it's kind of considered some kind of internal, permanent experience you're going to get to. Um, and yet there's another question that comes to my mind um, how come I can be like fully aware of all the different types of suffering there is in the world and even, even in my own realm like working as a psychologist during the week how come I can be aware of all the emotional pain and conflicts and trauma and grief that so many people I see go through and yet I'm not overwhelmed by it. Mm -hmm. I'm aware of it but I'm not overwhelmed by it and I can't even say that it really makes me unhappy either. Mm -hmm. So how does, how does this all fit together? It's not something that you can comprehend with your intellect. But to be slightly academic for a moment, um, in just googling some of this as part of preparation for the talk today, um, where, where this fits into in terms of Buddhist philosophy is nirvana and samsara. In simple terms you could say samsara is unhappiness and suffering and nirvana is happiness. And in some models of Buddhism, you see yourself going from one to the other. But if you look at particularly um, Zen practice, and you go back to the work of Nagarjuna, who was a um, great Buddhist philosopher, he made the point of saying, which comes through in Zen training, is that Nirvana is samsara that they're not separate. And if you set nirvana up or, or happiness up as something, an object, 
or a thing to grasp after, then you're grasping. And the grasping causes more suffering, so you're never actually you're ne never, never actually truly happy. It's another little bauble to get. And we may describe it in many different ways. In a secular way, we just call it happiness. In, in Buddhism, we call it nirvana. In Christianity, you call it heaven. But whatever it is, if you separate it out from the suffering and the life, and it's this thing that you go towards and you're going to maintain, that in itself, all of that grasping after that in itself creates more suffering. So that's a, that's a blind path as well. But if you, and if you Google it, you'll come up inevitably with all of these academic intellectual explanations about nirvana and samsara that make you eyes glaze over. And then refreshingly, refreshingly you go to a Zen site and it talks about the whole thing and it says, you'll never understand it with your intellect. And I go, yes, <laughs> indeed. You just know it in your bones. But one thing we could say about nirvana and samsara or happiness and suffering is that the bridge between the two is compassion and it's compassion not pity mm -hmm. not what, sorry. pity it's not pity it's compassion and pity is not looking down on someone you know you might be sad about their experience but you can't looking down on them as being someone in need of help, whereas compassion means to suffer with, mm -hmm. to suffer with. So there's no high and low, there's when someone else is in pain, you feel their pain. Mm -hmm. And there's numerous studies I could do, I could um, quote these days on empathy, which is similar to compassion, is that when you feel empathy towards another person, you are in pain. Mm -hmm. You're, in other words, you're suffering at some level. You are suffering with. And so you could say that compassion or empathy is the bridge between nirvana and samsara. But what happens when you feel empathy towards another or you feel compassion towards another? In simple terms, what's happening in that experience is you feel connected. You, you are connected to the other. You may not be experiencing what they're experiencing, but, you, but you're getting a, a resonance of it within yourself. So if you experience compassion, you can't help but pick up the suffering of another. Mm -hmm. And you'll feel their pain. And that's why in Zen training, we take up the path of the Bodhisattva the person who's working towards um, collective happiness, not just their own individual happiness. Because there's no point striving for an individual happiness if we think that it's going to be compassion-free. Mm -hmm. So it seems like there is a joy and a kind of happiness that comes simply out of the feeling of connection with others and connection with life as a whole. And it's not grasping after anything. That the connection in itself is enough. It doesn't need anything else added on to it, just the connection is enough. 
And when, when that connectedness is there, um, whether it's between a husband and wife or a therapist and a client or a teacher and a student or whatever, um, the, the connectedness itself is everything and that's how they can be joy and sorrow. Mm -hmm. And you can look at it the other way around too, in terms of um, well, there can be sorrow and joy, but there can be joy and sorrow. <clears throat> um, the other night on television, I was watching a program which was talking to um, a young man, an Aboriginal young man who'd been in one of those um, uh, draconian detention centres that we've seen a bit of of late, you know, with this terrible abuse of children. And um, he's now outside of that detention centre as a young man, but he was talking about how he went through similar experiences to that. But there was something in his demeanour, talking about it right now with the, with the interviewer, once he was outside of there, that he didn't look unhappy. Know, and he was smiling and and there was there was a sense of joy coming through his experience. Now you could say he was in denial and things like that, but you got the sense that the interviewer was trying to um, get him to be or more more um, in suffering than what he actually was. You know, so she needed him to to show that this was how terrible it was, and he seemed to be not actually not that unhappy. And um, and I, I'm I'm kind of I don't want to deny the experience that that would have on someone, but it's also possible to to see for someone to see into what's happening right now. No one's beating me up right now. No one's abusing me right now. I'm sitting. I'm standing here. Nothing, nothing bad's going on, and we need to remind ourselves that that suffering is fleeting, that there is momentariness in life, and it's something that comes and goes. Mm -hmm. And we also need to remember that when suffering occurs in our life, instead of it just being painful or unpleasant experience that comes and goes, we need to recognise what our thinking mind makes out of it. We can create an identity out of it um, or we can hold on to it and keep investing in it in some way and yet we do have this capacity of, as human beings which this young Aboriginal man seemed to um, have as I saw him anyway it's just like he was going yeah well it happened back there in the past and it's not actually happening to me right now. I'm not denying it happened in the past, but it's not actually happening right now. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to see into the, the momentariness of life and what each moment holds um, frees us up as well. There's a, joy, there's a joy in just experiencing that momentariness. And I think that we also have a capacity to see a bigger picture. When we're identified with the suffering, it's like we're narrowed down. 
and we're introspective and ruminating on it, and yet there's this possibility to see that there's much, there's much more to that. You know, that, that suffering doesn't make up the totality of, the ex of our experience. We can look at the blue sky. Mm -hmm. The blue sky is always there. And the other thing to remember too, that we uh, start to intuit and to experience and embody through Zen practice, is that when we see, we see into the emptiness of concepts, we see into the emptiness of categories, well, they're just words, and yet we can hang so much identification onto words, but as we do Zen practice more and more and more, we just see that words are just empty concepts. And when we see that words are just empty concepts, we get out of dualistic thinking and we get out of comparative thinking. Mm -hmm. Dualistic thinking goes hand in hand with comparative thinking. Something's better, something's worse, something's high, something's low, something's happy, something's sad. Mm -hmm. And when of all of that, that conceptual, um, when, we, when we see into the emptiness of all that conceptual overlay, something breaks down. We experience the momentariness and we don't get caught in identity and we don't get caught in comparison. The moment is just the moment. Mm -hmm. And when we can see and experience that the moment is just the moment, there's always a sense of underlying mystery and awe which is there, you know, regardless of what may be happening. Um, another story that, that comes to mind, which is illustrative of this too, and Diana can help me with the, the name of the woman. But do you know the, the Jewish woman you told me about, Etty someone? Oh. Etty... Oh my goodness. <coughs> Etty Hallisham. Etty Hallisham, who was a Jewish woman who was picked up by the the Nazis in Holland, I think, during the, the Holocaust. And... Um, young girl. Young girl. And she wrote diaries of her experience. And she had some... She, she was being taken off to Auschwitz, you know, and, and she died. That was the, the outcome of it. And she knew she was. And she knew all those other Jewish people were being taken off on the trains. And yet she had some turning point in her experience where um, she knew what was going to happen, there's no denial about it, and yet she had a love for the German men who were taking her there and a love for everyone around her and some sense of joy about the momentariness of existence. Could I just say point. Could yeah. I just It was actually when... Um, they were in the carriage, mm -hmm. and um, these G these German soldiers were shoving people to, mm. to get in. They were in, but she, this Jewish, this German soldier shoved this old lady, and Etty was behind the old lady, and she picked the old lady up, and then the, the fellow pushed her, the German shoulder, soldier, but she looked into his eyes, and she just broke down. She looked right at him, he looked right at her, and that's when something happened. Something happened. She saw, yeah. like, it's not really his fault, he's just 
So it's another moving story of seeing um, joy in sorrow. But really what I, what I want to come to, you know, as a conclusion to it, is don't try and work out this out intellectually, because you won't. You know, and you'll tie, you go around in circles trying to work it out, just like these academics go around in circles and write PhD theories about how nirvana is the samsara or whatever. But if it, through Zen practice something happens and you know it in your bones and, and somehow you develop, instead of having this divided off view of the world of unhappiness over there and happiness over here, something transforms within us where we can experience sorrow and joy and we can experience joy and sorrow. And it becomes um, the flavour of our life. 